SBS, a world of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV Radio broadcasts from, the Camaragal people and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from fresh water to salt water. Yiridamarang, hello, I'm your host Luana Grant and welcome to NITV Radio for this Friday the 26th of January. Coming up on today's show, an interview with Sarah Jane Hall, co-chair of the Koori Engagement Action Group, an advisory commit committee that provides the city of Ballarat with expertise in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander matters to assist in decision making for the Ballarat community. NITV Radio also chats to the Mayor of the City of Yarra, Councillor Edward Crossland, which which one of the first local councils to announce changes on how it marks January 26 to make it more inclusive. We also have a conversation with former Mary Beck Mayor, Councillor Angelica Panopoulos, who explains the decision to change the way January 26 is commemorated, which was guided by local Aboriginal advisory groups and Wurundjeri elders. And we chat to jewellery designer and founder of House of Dizzy, Christy Dickinson, who has recently released her 2024 Survival Day collection. All these stories are coming up on NITV Radio. Australia Day 1972 the first Aboriginal embassy directed outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. They've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. The city of Yarra was one of the first local councils to announce changes on how it marks January 26 to make it more inclusive. The mayor of the city of Yarra, Councillor Edward Crosslands, takes us back into how the decision was made and the journey travelled since. NITV Radio's Bertrand Tungandami has more. Councillor Edward Crossland, welcome to NITV Radio. Hi, and thank you for having me. January 26, the day, the way the day is marked in the city of uh, Yara, in a historical context, is one that we're exploring today just because uh, local councils and grassroots organizations have been driving the narrative around uh, January 26 just to mark it in a way that's uh, respectful to First Nations people. Uh, tell us about the role of uh, Indigenous and non-Indigenous grassroots organisations in shaping the narrative uh, around January 26 in uh, the city of Yarra. So Yarra City Council looks to and is guided by the Wadjura um, Cultural Heritage Aboriginal Corporation to form any decisions and stances on topics affecting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people within our municipality. That really shaped our decision regarding choosing not to hold citizenship ceremonies on January 26. Going back to 2017, uh, the debate was uh, really, really very powerful. Yeah, Take us through the situation around uh, January 26 uh, when um, the city of Yara was uh, leading uh, the drive to celebrate uh, January 26 in a more respectful way uh, towards uh, First Nations uh, people. Yeah, absolutely. So following the council decision in 2017, with Yarra being the first in Australia, the then federal government rescinded Yarra's ability to conduct citizenship ceremonies. So in 2019, 
this decision was reinforced by the then federal government by changing the Australian Citizenship Ceremonies Code, forcing councils to hold the ceremonies on January the 26th or be stripped entirely of their right to hold citizenship ceremonies. And you know, Yarra Council was immensely disappointed by that decision, both due to our decision, which is made in the interest of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community, and the resulting impact on those in our community who are seeking citizenship. But you know, similarly, Darren, Darabin, another local government, were also stripped of their ability to hold citizenship ceremonies, given their decision to not hold citizenship ceremonies on January 26 as well. So it has been rectified now. The ability to conduct citizenship ceremonies was returned to Yarra in late 2022. And Yarra conducted its first citizenship ceremony in five years uh, in April 2023, which was really, really exciting that we're you know, able to celebrate citizenship ceremonies with our community again, while also being able to respect January 26 as we had always intended. So 2017, the city of Yarra was the first one in Australia to implement progressive policies to change the way January 26 is marked in the city. Then mm. there was pushback, you said, from the federal government. How did you navigate uh, the situation when there was this full, full pushback from the federal government? Basically, we engaged as much as we possibly could in terms of uh, with federal representatives around you know, how, <laughs> frankly, it wasn't fair at all and seeking address of this. And uh, I'd have to say that Um, change the date campaign has really assisted in that with a number of other local government areas across the country similarly choosing not to hold citizenship ceremonies on January 26 as well. So we've now had a point where there's been a change in federal government. They've been more open to engaging with us and other councils on this matter. So I think that's been quite favourable. How is uh, January 26 still marked um, in uh, a way that's more respectful to First Nations people in uh, the city of Yarra, since uh, yeah, there's uh, more flexibility. So each year on January 26, Council marks the day with a range of different uh, sensitive and mindful activities and uh, like initiatives. So we will often hold a small culturally sensitive event on January 26 to recognise the loss of culture language and identity felt by Aboriginal people on that day. We also support the Change the Day campaign to look for a more suitable day for a national celebration. We've had a number of different ways that we've looked to do that in terms of sharing our message and supporting Change the Day and trying to help the public in understanding why we have made these changes. That includes utilising our social media and other communication channels. As part of that, we've had a number of different activities that, you know, change from year to year, but overall it's around trying to create an understanding of what the impacts are and have a space for reflection. Coming back to our first questions about uh, the involvement of our grassroots Indigenous and non-Indigenous grassroots movements, uh, mm-hmm. of course, it's understandable First Nations grassroots movements will be really very proactive and be calling for that. Uh, and council itself is uh, well has to show leadership in there in um, the way uh, it drives and uh, conducts uh, 
ceremonies, but the non-Indigenous uh, component of your population, uh, have they been also calling? Uh, how is their involvement in the way the decision has been made to change the date or to mark the date differently? So we obviously engage very closely with uh, our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander organisations and community members, as well as the Wurundjeri Wurrung Cultural Heritage Aboriginal Corporation to inform that decision. But more broadly, we heard from many people in the community of their support to that change and how we're looking for a new approach uh, more broadly moving forward. Some councils hold uh, Anzac Day-style dawn ceremonies organised by traditional owners. Is there any similar initiatives on, uh, in the city of Yarra or not yet? Uh, it, doesn't, it hasn't yet happened in your locality. We, I don't believe we've held an event like that to date. Um, it may be something that we do in future, but if there is something like that occurring elsewhere, we would be encouraging people to attend, but we're open to the potential for something like that in future. On January 26, 2024, we're just finalising what we will be doing, but it'll likely be marked with a small culturally appropriate ceremony for our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community. And allies will be encouraged to attend events such as this and at the Share the Spirit Festival or a community march. Any closing thoughts before I let you go? Uh, well, I think it would be good to just talk about some of the different events and initiatives that Yarra has been supportive of and or being party to in terms of how we have looked to support our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. And some of those things include Smith Street Dreaming, which took place in Atherton Gardens on 15 July uh, 2023 which had a great turnout from community despite not ideal weather. And Smith Street Dreaming occurred after convening with Street uh, Smith Street Dreaming WG, including ACO and community members, with support coming from Council's Arts Budget and also Creative Victoria. We've also had projections in Peel Street Park by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists commemorating the 50th anniversary of the Victorian Aboriginal Health Service. And we've also had a public art project, which was to commemorate Uncle Archie and Auntie Ruby. There's a sculpture that's currently being uh, prepared, and that is being guided by the family working group made up of family members of both Uncle Archie and Auntie Ruby. And that is also being designed by architect Jeffa Greenaway, as well as working with artist Darian Pullen. There's a few other things that we've done recently. We've supported an exhibition of photographs by Uncle John Brown of the history of Fitzroy and the Parkies community. We supported the development of the Yalungus app to promote local Aboriginal history through stories and song that accompany a self-guided walking tour around Fitzroy. And we've worked with community to create the Stolen Generations marker and commemorative garden at Arthurton Gardens Estate. So there's a number of different projects and programs that we've actively looked to uh, undertake and promote to make sure that, that there is a continuous connection to country and understanding of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander connection to Yarra. I think that's really important. Councillor Edward Crossland, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on ITV Radio today. Thank you so much for having me and I hope you have a fantastic day. 
Your community, your conversation. NITV Radio. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Welcome back. I'm your host, Luana Grant, and you're listening to NITV Radio. Still to come on the show, we chat to Mary Beck Mayor, Councillor Angelica Panopoulos, who explains the decision to change the way January 26 is commemorated. And we chat to jewellery designer and founder of House of Dizzy, Christy Dickinson, who has recently released her 2024 Survival Day collection. But first, Sarah Jane Hall is co-chair of the Koori Engagement Action Group, an advisory committee that provides the city of Ballarat with expertise in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander matters to assist in decision-making for the Ballarat community. The committee was instrumental in driving changes on how January 26 is commemorated in Ballarat, organising the first Mass Invasion Day dawn service in 2020. In this interview, Sarah explains how the changes came about and she also reveals how the day will be marked in 2026. I'm joined by Sarah Jane Hall of the Koori Engagement Action Group in Ballarat to explore how grassroots organisations and initiatives are driving the narrative around January 26, if not changing the date, the move on how we can celebrate January 26 in a more respectful way of uh, what it represents to First Nations people. Mourning, suffering, survival and resilience. Welcome to NITV Radio, Sarah. Mahamani. Um, hi, I'm Sarah Jane. Yeah, I'm proud Narunga woman with uh, Celtic ancestral ties. The Koori Engagement Action Group ran an initiative a few years back to organise a Anzac Day style dawn service to mark January 26. I believe this was one of the first councils to do so around um, Australia. Tell us about uh, the event uh, three years ago that pioneered uh, this Anzac Day um, style uh, commemoration of uh, January 26. Um, the Koori Engagement Action Group for the City of Ballarat have been wanting to uh, have an event for some time now and then through the voice of Nikki Foy we were able to get that up and running through the council. The Jan 26 would be a dawn service known as the Survival Day Dawn Ceremony. It's a great opportunity for people to come together, um, Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islanders, allies, um, non-Indigenous people all to come together. It's a positive event. Um, and it's where a time where we can stand in solidarity, hear about some of the history that has happened between government policies, actions, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, the trauma that they experienced. Um, but the focus is not to shock people to learn about the history of uh, massacres and heartache in Australia, but it's a time of reflection, a time of healing, uh, it's it's a beautiful time of people coming together uh, and a tangible way to practice culture and unity with Indigenous and non-Indigenous community coming together. So the first one was in uh, 2020 and uh, this came at a time when actually it was commemorated in a very tumultuous way because uh, I remember reading in the news uh, there was... Um, 
on the ABC website, on Channel 9 website, that uh, the first time this event was celebrated uh, was not tension, but there was uh, some kind of uh, misalignment between the wishes of uh, First Nations communities and uh, Ballarat Council, the way it was uh, celebrating, uh, marking January 26th. Uh, yeah, the planning for the Survival Day Dawn ceremony was already in the pipeline before some people stood down and, and the actions and the motives were questioned and hit the media for the city of Ballarat. Since 2020, uh, the Ballarat City Council have made changes to um, not host the fireworks on that date and to move celebrations away from Lake Wendery, which is a place of significance for the local Wadarung people. Um, they now have a family day in Vic Park is how um, City of Ballarat promotes things. That is um, a political sidestep to the Survival Day uh, dawn ceremony. Um, the KIAG were informed by the council at the time that they were still bound by federal mandates to still have citizenship ceremonies. Because of that, the councillors that were... Um, sitting for the city of Ballarat at the time, uh, felt that they still needed to have um, local acknowledgement and or celebrations for what other people have on Jan 26, uh, being also known as Australia Day. And now, is there a move to change the date? Because some councils are really making uh, inroads and uh, advocating for Jan 26 to be moved, to be changed. Is there a move in Ballarat for that change, for the change of the date? Uh, there is strong groundswell here in community, both Indigenous and non-Indigenous community, and particularly if you look at the uh, Ballarat allies on their Facebook group. Um, they are active in also supporting uh, change the dates. It must be noted that not all First Nations people feel the need to change the date, but um, with the different community events that we've hosted in Ballarat for people to come and have their voice heard, by far the overwhelming support is for Australia Day to be celebrated on another day throughout the year. There is a call, but uh, there's no one-size-fits-all kind of approach. People have different opinions and different views on uh, this uh, day. After 2020, of course, we had the pandemic and two years of um, uh, it was impossible to have any face-to-face -face interactions, any physical interactions, so things moved online. How was it marked during the period of uh, COVID and uh, how is it being celebrated after COVID? Um, the Survival Day Dawn Ceremony was available for people to view online through different streaming devices. Uh, there is the Koori Engagement Action Group, which is known as the KIAG, have a Facebook page. People can follow the promptings on the lead up to the date of Jan 26. Then they'll be able to see it either live streamed or posted later um, after the event. Uh, during, COVID, during the pandemic, we still had the dawn ceremony happening. Uh, we had restricted numbers adhering to state government regulations there. Um, we still had an area cordoned off for elders, um, which is the right way, proper way for First Nations events to show our respects to our elders and to involve them 
and it's a learning process as well. So we still had limited numbers that were able to attend uh, during the pandemic. Um, and January 2023, that has just gone. Uh, we were able to celebrate with large numbers. We had a couple of thousand people um, attend the event this year. It was really a positive um, to see a huge amount of community come together. This year, we had the stage set up a little different to previous years. Um, this time, we met what is um, more traditional manner, meeting in a circle. Uh, yes, there was a stage up the front to help with the viewing process, but the seating arrangement and people being able to stand around in a circle, we had a smoking ceremony in the middle and we were able to um, have the dancers and all the speakers be able to perform and add their bit uh, throughout the ceremony, either in the circle or up the front on the stage. Visit sbs.com.au slash NITV radio. Welcome back. You're listening to NITV Radio. Next up, a conversation with former Maryback Mayor Councillor Angelica Panopoulos, who explains the decision to change the way January 26 is commemorated, which was guided by local Aboriginal advisory groups and Wurundjeri elders. NITV Radio's Bertrand Tungandami has more. joined by uh, Councillor Angela Panopoulos, Mayor of Marybeck Council, to explore January 26 events and how local councils and grassroots communities and organisations are driving the narrative to make this date a more inclusive day for First Nations communities. Welcome to NITV Radio, Councillor Panopoulos. Thank you for having me. Marybeck Council, formerly Moorland Council, has been leading a uh, the narrative back in 2017 already, there were conversations around changing the date. Run us through the evolution of how this conversation has been going on in uh, your local council. Sure. So this um, decision to no longer celebrate January 26, that was made back in 2017. So before I was on the council, but back then, um, you know, the, count, the majority of councillors they decided, you know, that January 26th is not a day to celebrate. It's not an inclusive or unifying holiday um, for people. It's, you know, it's a day of, of like, deep loss and trauma um, for First Nations people, and that's what, you know, they were consistently being told. Um, and so this was about, like, listening to them and um, I guess not, yeah, not celebrating a day that is so harmful for so many people. Is the date referred to as uh, Australia Day at Marybeck Council or Morning Day? How is it uh, called? How do you call it? So we don't call it Australia Day. Um, it really it really depends. So some will say January 26th, some will say Invasion Day or Morning Day, but clear that it's yeah, not a day to celebrate um, this country. Yeah. How is uh, the date uh marked or commemorated or how is it marked uh, in uh, your official calendar since uh, 2017? Yeah, so we have um, a day of mourning on that day on January 26th. In previous years, um, we've worked with the First Nations Advisory Committee at Council um, and Wurundjeri Elders who have guided us and 
We've had um, morning ceremonies in Coburg outside of our civic centre and also at one of our reserves um, on Bell Street. So we have morning morning ceremonies um, to mark the day. In some councils, there's a dawn service. Uh, does Marybeth Council hold a Anzac Day-style dawn service or...? On more, on, uh, we haven't we haven't in the past. Um, our uh, our services have been more during the daytime um, as opposed to that dawn time. How did this process come about? Is it just the councillors sat down and reflected and thought, "Oh, this is not respectful of uh, all our communities," or there was um, engagement and conversations with our traditional owners? So I wasn't on on the council at that point in time, but you know there would have been engagement with First Nations people in the community, um, the broader Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people, um, and also we've got a statement of commitment as well um, that we've had for many many years at council, which basically outlines that you know we will listen to First Nations people and work really hard on reconciliation and addressing um, some of the issues of the past, and I think. Um, you know, as someone who's been, say, attending the January 26 rallies in the city for many, many years, you, you notice that each year it gets bigger and bigger um, and there is a greater groundswell of people who, um, I guess, are becoming more knowledgeable um, of the reality of what January 26 means um, for First Nations people in this country. Yeah. And the statement of commitment made in 2021, uh, can you run us through some of uh, the decisions reached at that time? Um, so the statement basically outlines that, you know, we're going to be listening to First Nations people in the community um, and that we'll be working together to get to reconciliation. Um, and it also actually outlines our support for voice, um, treaty and truth. So all three parts of the Uluru Statement from the heart um, we had committed to back in 2021. Coming back to the decisions, 2017 was a really a year when many councils around the country, actually around 2016-17, Many councils were making decisions to actually be more inclusive, more respectful of First Nations communities. And then we had a reaction from uh, the federal government, which was not always in line with uh, what local councils were doing, and there was some backlash. How has your council reacted to that, and uh, how is it uh, working with uh, the current uh, federal government and uh, advancing uh, the changes for January 26? Yeah, so back around that 2016-2017 period, um, the then coalition government decided that because councils um, weren't celebrating January 26, um, they decided that they changed the citizenship code um, and said that all councils had to have a citizenship ceremony on January 26. And now citizenship ceremonies are like a really joyous and emotional day and like they're something that you want to celebrate and be happy about. And so them forcing councils to have these ceremonies on that day was essentially saying, well, actually, no, you're going to celebrate this whether you want to or not. That was, I guess, that part of the decision. And back then a a couple of other councils, so Darabin and Yarra, decided to not have citizenship ceremonies on that day, Um, whereas we were called Moreland at the time, we decided to continue with it. And what the federal government did in response to the other two councils is they got rid of their ability to have citizenship ceremonies at all. They said, because you don't want to have this ceremony on, you know, Invasion Day, or they called it Australia Day, you're not going to be able to have these ceremonies at all. And now we have at least one a month, um, often two a month. So that's a lot of new citizens 
that we get to talk to directly and inform them of you know our community, the democratic process, and their rights as as voters um, that has that had been stripped away from councils. So it was a pretty um, pretty awful reaction from the then federal government. Um, but in December of last year, um, and it was my first meeting as the mayor, um, we had a, a recommendation from our First Nations Advisory Committee that had said to us that they recommend that we cease to hold citizenship ceremonies on January 26. So we we were presented with this um, recommendation um, and we councillors knew that if we voted for this recommendation, then we would be in breach of the federal code that said that you had to have these ceremonies on this day. And so it was a very, very close vote. It was my casting vote, but we decided, all right, we'll breach the code and see what happens. And I think like we took that calculated risk because it was a new government, um, you know, a new government that's talking about voice at the federal level, treaty at the state level and saying that they actually want to further reconciliation. So we decided that we would breach the code um, and take a stand and say that we shouldn't have, you know, a joyous celebration of a citizenship ceremony on such an awful day. And so there was a few, there was a few tense days where we thought, okay, um, we might be losing our right to have citizenship ceremonies entirely. Um, but thankfully, the federal government then actually changed the rules and didn't and now we're no longer forced to have the ceremonies on January 26. So like it's been a bit of a, a long journey to get there and it's required a different government <laughs> federally to allow us to have that flexibility um, and to be respectful of our community. Um, but we did finally get there by I think pushing the envelope um, a bit. So yeah, it was a long a long journey to get there, but we finally did. Councillor Angel Kapanopoulos, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on NITV Radio today. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. Today I'm joined by Baradri woman Christy Dickinson, who is the owner and creator of House of Dizzy, creating bold, powerful and statement-making jewellery celebrating First Nations culture. Christy, thanks so much for joining me on NITV Radio today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you're based in Nam, Melbourne, where you run your business, House of Dizzy. Can you please tell the audience who's listening who may not have heard of House of Dizzy a little bit about your business and how it started? Yeah, so I'm a proud Wiradjuri woman um, who grew up in Sydney, um, but now I'm based in Nam. Um, and House of Dizzy is all about being bold and strong and confident and just, you know, having conversations and wearing art on your ears. And your recent collection, the 2024 Survival Day collection, is inspired by the pride and strength of our mob. Can you talk to us a little bit about this collection and the importance of it? Well, it's all about like wearing your flag on your ears and just being strong and confident and just um, making it known who you are, um, what you believe in and who your mob is. And do you mind telling us a little bit about the different pieces that are in this collection? And you're also um, known for the the bold and powerful statements that is reflected in your jewellery. Do you mind talking to us a little bit about that? Yes. So, I mean, just when I want, when somebody puts a pair of House of Dizzy earrings on, I want them to be confident. I want them to walk down the street and be proud of who they are. So it's all about that empowerment and just being uh, proud of 
being First Nation. And you've had the likes of Jess Mowboy, Miranda Tapsell, even Lauren Hill wearing your pieces. That must feel pretty surreal. And I know, you know, I've got a few of your pieces as well. And you see, like, at different events, um, you know, the Dreamtime Awards or NADOC balls, you see so many people wearing House of Dizzy collection. What does that feel like for you? It must be really proud, you know, a proud moment for you to see so many people wearing your jewellery and also using it as a form of expression and a sense of pride as well? Of course. Like, I just get so excited. I still get giddy even seeing, like, people in the street wearing House of Disney. Well, it's really, like, rewarding for myself because it's, like, you know, getting messages out there. Um, People are feeling pride in who they are um, and proud to wear, you know, earrings with Deadly or the Aboriginal flag or Torres Strait Islander flag. So it's really rewarding for me as a designer that people love my jewellery. And we did have a little chat off air as well about Yarbin, and you'll be down at Yarbin selling your jewellery. What time will you be down there till? Yeah, so we're going to be there after the march, um, and we'll be there probably till about 6 or whenever. We're just going to be – we're just happy to, like, hang out with mob. Um, You know, I'm originally from Sydney, so I do miss Sydney mob. I'm so excited to see everybody and, yeah, just celebrate survival. Mm, and I was going to ask you as well, what does, a, you know, Jan 26 mean to you and how do you, you know, what do you usually do on the day? Yeah, well, it's definitely it's a day where it's mixed emotions. Like you want to feel, like, you know, proud and... Um, like survival day, but then there's also like that notion of like it 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 is invasion day. So yeah, I just like I like to be with mob. I like to be with like um, you know heaps of mob around me and just like you know be happy and like share stories and yeah, that's just what I do on Jan 26. And what do you hope this recent collection, the Survival Day collection, will inspire in people who are wearing it? Well, it's all about telling stories, and I feel like, um, you know, it's just about bringing people together, being proud of who they are, and just being strong. I'm all about strength, and, you know, it's just we have to be stronger together. Like, I recently did an interview um just the other week and I was just so exciting seeing so many like amazing First Nation designers come through, photographers, models, like it's just we are taking we're making space, like, you know, we're taking up the space and just um yeah. First Nations is our future. And finally, where is this collection available and where can people purchase it? So we have a store in Fitzroy. Um, in Victoria, but you can also find us at Yarvin Festival and also share the spirit in Nam. Well, thank you so much, Christy, for joining me today on NITV Radio. It's been really great to chat and hopefully I'll catch up with you at Yarvin and all the best with your new collection. Amazing. Thank you so much. Your community, your conversation. NITV Radio. Hey you mob, this Jan 26, check out the best in Indigenous music with me, Luana Grant, and my co-hosts Fred Leone and Nikki. We'll cover everything from iconic songs to new hits 
country to hip-hop with a look back at a few live performances broadcast by NITV over the years. This is a showcase of music made for mob by mob. Sounds of Solidarity today on NITV. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. And that's all we have time for on today's program. You can listen back to the show anytime online or catch any of our stories on our website at sbs.com.au. NITV Radio will be back next week with more stories from right across the country. A reminder to switch over to NITV to catch Nookie, Fred Leone and myself as we bring you three hours of mob-made anthems and tunes that have kept us fast and steady in times of adversity and times of joy. Join us at 2.30pm as we charter poignant markers for historical historical moments and songs of storytelling. I'm your host, Lawana Grant Mundungor. Thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend.